Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host today, Brad Rowland, and uh, without Carlos Colazzo on this particular occasion, uh, life happens sometimes. One of the one of the positive things of having two hosts is that only one of you has to be there. Uh, so Carlos will be back shortly. Don't worry, guys, he's not left us again. Uh, but joining me today is the great uh, prospect guru of TalkingChop.com. His name is Eric Cole. What's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, just living the dream here, man. It's been a big week for you and the site as the, uh, the prospect rankings were unveiled. Uh, we will certainly talk about that a great deal uh, on this podcast. It's probably going to be the central theme of this thing, but uh, there is a little bit of news. I almost want to put quotation marks around news because it's not really that big of news, but uh, something happened at least since last time we, we talked, and that was the Braves signing John Danks to a minor league contract. Uh, John Danks is sort of a... At least the name people know, which is why, which why this becomes news. Uh, left-hander, 31 years old, hasn't been very good in a while. Like I, uh, in our show notes, I said that he hasn't been legitimately useful since 2011, and that's a long time ago. Um, but uh, thoughts on John Danks? Does this does this matter at all to you? Uh, just as a depth arm, or does it is a guy you you actually expect to kind of just wash out because it is a minor league deal? Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of part of the Braves front office's idea that they're just going to bring in and have the best five people coming out of spring training and having a bunch of guys compete for spots. Uh, I think it's a little silly to suggest that like any, like, you know, guys like Julio Tehran or Mike Fulton, Maywitz or guys like that, or even like Bartolo or R.A. Dickey at this point have are locked in for spots or not locked in necessarily. But at the same time, you know, these types of deals get signed all the time by all teams. They sign guys like that just veteran depth arms to their to the AAA roster and they'll bring him in for spring training and if they see something there then it's one thing, but in in Dank's case, I mean, the last time he had, you know, a, a really a serviceable war total was he had a 1.9 war in 2011, which isn't like, you know, awesome. And you know, before that, you know, you know, 2008 through 2010, he was one of the better pitchers in the league. But he's been pretty bad and injured for a lot of the last five or six years. So to say that this signing means anything, no. I, I Other than just, hey, here's another guy who has some upside, who has pitched well in the past, and we'll bring him in and see if there's anything there. And if not, then, you know, we still have the same guys that we signed or traded for, you know, beforehand. It's not, it's, I don't see much to it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the big takeaway for me is that this is – it's fine. This is what teams do. 
Uh, Denks could be, you know, if they see something in him, he could become useful and you, you want depth. Um, I think, the, honestly, the bigger thing that happened as a result of that, or at least surrounding it, was that there was this big conversation on Twitter and on a couple of different sites about how Mike Fultonavich might not be guaranteed a rotation spot. You mentioned that a second ago. I just think, for me, like it would be kind of insane, um, barring a some sort of like blow up in spring training where he's just awful um, to not have Fulte in the rotation. Like I think people are talking about him like he's on the same level as Whistler or Matt Bl- or even Aaron Blair, and like I, I don't I don't get that. Like I think Fultonavich last year, you know, it wasn't outstanding or anything like that, but you know, 1.3 Fangraphs WAR in 123 innings. Um, Given his age and his upside, I just think I can't think of a scenario in which he wouldn't be in the rotation. But I guess that's kind of been a thing. Uh, where are you on that? I think it's fairly clear to me, at least, who the best five pitchers are in the system. Uh, I mean, on the team right now, uh, provided uh, full health for guys like Garcia, obviously, because Garcia is a, an injury concern. But I think you know the best five pitchers are fairly clear to me. I, I'm wondering if you feel the same way I do. Uh, I think so. I mean, I think it's just I think it's the Braves are going to start with. Tehran, Fulte, Cologne, Dickey, and Garcia. But, you know, the Garcia with the caveat that he has had a lot of injury problems. And, you know, with Cologne and Gar- and Dickey, I mean, we're talking about, you know, two 40-year-old-plus hurlers, and, you know, one's a knuckleballer, and we might not even have a catcher who can catch one. And Cologne, who you would think at some point would not be able to do the job anymore. Um, so, I mean, sure, there's caveats coming out of spring training that maybe they find out that there's nothing – one of these aren't one of these guys doesn't have anything left or it gets hurt or whatever. I mean, we've had spring trainings have you know where that's happened before, and we assumed the, a rotation was going to look a certain way, and then you know a veteran signing didn't work out or another guy showed out. Uh, but I mean, I don't really see that happening because I don't unless you know unless a guy like a Matt Whistler or an Aaron Blair comes in the spring training and just you know blows them out of the water and shows them really, really great stuff and big improvements, then I, I think the rotation as we know it is it's set. Yeah, I mean, with full health of everybody, again, you know, Garcia especially, um, I, I don't know. I guess your point about if Whistler looks like this completely different pitcher, I, I think he might be the one guy who could crack it. And perhaps, and honestly for me, all things equal, I think it would be most likely that uh, Dickey would be the guy that was on the outs. Uh, not like off the team, but he's a guy who could, you, you could make into an interesting long man, um, sort of a rubber arm guy who could you put in different, different spots. And he has less of an investment uh, than Cologne because Cologne's just been better than Dickey in recent yeah. times. Um, Absolutely. But Fulte, like that guy's got to be in your rotation unless he just implodes or is hurt. Like I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand even the conversation around it because I understand he wasn't awesome last year, but he was significantly better than the other two guys who were, you know, considered to be close in terms of prospect-ish players and in, uh, in Whistler and Blair. And um, you know, outside of Tehran, like Fultonavich is the guy who, co- who who combines being young and actually being somewhat established. So yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I just find it crazy, well, I, so I, want, I wanted to bring it up. Well, I think that part of it is it's kind of an overreaction to Copy's comments of, you know, like, if you have a problem, yeah. you get better. Like, you know, like, it just seems like now every move the Braves make is like, oh, see, this must be a signal to whoever, or it's a sign that they don't like some guy. No, they're just they're doing what every team does, which is, you know, get guys who have pitched in the major leagues, know how to pitch, so that way if something happens, you know, you, you have a backup plan. You know, I don't know. I, it just it seems it seemed like a little much to me at the time when people were reacting to it. When ultimately, I just didn't think much of it. I, I did take copies. The yeah, the, the the thing about improvement. I actually I thought it was certainly not about faulty, but more about uh, that Whistler Blair group. 
Um, but anyway, I mean, even even then, we're all just trying to interpret stuff on on Twitter from Copier or in interviews that he's done, where he's done a million interviews in the last month or so. Um, I, I'm not really trying to just go through. Every, I mean, we, we we could talk about Ask Copy on this podcast, and there's a lot of <laughs> things that happened there, and I I purposely don't want to go through them all here because I have you and it's prospect sort of time. But I don't know. I mean, there's lots of stuff we could talk about there. But I, I'm just kind of tired of dissecting every word Copy says at this point. I'm yeah, because gonna... I mean, ultimately, he's just you know, he's just kind of he's being transparent. But I mean, like we don't know anything about his tone or context or anything like that. So it's just kind of like we're get we're ultimately we'd be guessing anyway. Um, yeah, I, I almost wanted. I almost I felt like teeing up a rant that I had about um, the fact that he like became like the villain of all front office and guys in baseball on a night almost a non Braves note. But I, I don't know. The whole thing just kind of bored me. I don't know. It's copies. Uh, I appreciate his candor a great deal, but it also opens it up to all this uh, all these secondary conversations of uh, what does he actually mean? I'm like, actually, he just <laughs> says what he means. Like that guy just talks. Which is a great thing for people in the media like us. Like it's great. It'll give us some. It'll give us content. Like if nothing else happened, and I didn't have you on today's show talking about prospects, I'm sure Carlos and I would do 15 minutes on Ask Copy. But like you know, it's kind of just there. Like and we can do it later if we want. If something else happens, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm okay with it right now. <laughs> no, I got you. Um, all right, let's get away from that. And get into the meat of uh, what's transpired. For those of you who do not know. Uh, the Talking Chop crew, led by Eric, uh, unveiled the top 25 prospect list this week in, uh, was it six posts or five posts? One of those? Uh, it, was, it was six, yeah. Six posts, uh, and one per day. It's, it was a slow rollout. I love that, sort of the anticipation building. It's gotten a great a great deal of uh, buzz going on in the uh, Braves uh, you know, blogosphere. I read them all, of course, did not contribute to them, so I'm going to defer to you on all this stuff, Eric. But uh, first of all, everybody needs to go check them out if they haven't already because it's you won't find better Braves minor league coverage on the internet. I will say that to you that you don't have to, my friend. Um, lots going on. There's a couple of topics I wanted to hit on. I guess we'll start with the big, I think the biggest bombshell that caused the most waves, and that is the fact that you guys had Ronald Acuna at number two overall, just behind Ozzy Albies. Uh, defend yourself, my friend. Defend yourself. Uh, he's the second most player in the system. It's pretty much that simple. That's the easy way to do it, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it was a situation where... Very early on in the season, Garav, Garrett, and I went and saw saw Rome. Uh, it was the most exciting team uh, that we thought you know, coming into the season. Obviously, it turned out that way. Um, but we're watching this team, and like the more we'll, we we watched two we watched two games that weekend. Um, uh, well, in person, and we had watched you know we wa- kind of watched them through that first week pretty regularly. And Akuna quickly established himself as the best player on the field whenever he was playing. Uh, you know, you'd see, first you'd watch him take batting practice, and, you know, you, you you would never think this is a teenager who has, you know, kind of limited experience in pro ball because he's just, like, you know, hit spraying ball all over the place, you know, hitting the ball out. Uh, and, you know, I'm not the only one who saw it. You know, there's David Lee from the Augusta Chronicle, uh, other other guys who are just saying, you know, whenever we're watching this guy play, he's just so – he stands out. The ball jumps off his bat. He knows how to play. Center. He knows how to play the outfield. He has a strong arm. He's fast. He he seems like he projects like he has real game power. And we, the more and more we watched him, the more excited we got about him. And then he hurt his thumb on a slide, uh, and you know he was in a cast, and it really it was a big bummer because I honestly think that if that hadn't happened, you're talking about a guy who had been like firmly entrenched in top 100 prospect lists right now. 
not like a guy who like is like, wow, where'd this guy come from? It's it's like you watch him, and if you just if he had just played and just played the way he had been, then you would have seen him getting the hype that you're kind of starting to hear now. Um, he lost a bunch of time to that thumb injury, but when he came back, he was still really really good. Uh, and instead of giving him a bunch of time down of in, in, down at instructs or maybe even sending him to the Dominican Winter League, they sent him to Australia. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure why to give him reps down there, but there must have been something down there that they like about for him specifically, or maybe just to give him a little bit of a break from the end of the season until when the Australian Winter League started. And, and he's like tearing the cover off the wall down there. And that that and Australian Winter League, the best I've heard, most people I've talked to have said the best comparison they have to that in terms of what minor league level it compares to is high A. And now we're talking about a teenager who's now competing against high A level competition. And he is among the, if not the best player in the league right now. So when you're talking about a kid who has plus speed, arguably plus power, should have an at least above average hit tool, and can play defense with a strong arm in right or center, I mean, I don't know what else you want from a guy other than just a stronger track record and a longer track record of doing it. Um, he was we, we kind of mentioned him in our first prospect list. You know, preseason list last year, we jumped him up really high at midseason, and I'm looking at the all of our votes right now, and the lowest he was ranked by anybody amongst the five of us was fourth. Which is, listen, I mean, I, I'm not even, I, I'm not opposed to it at all. Like I've, I've started to build on him as well. I think uh, I, I'm sure you saw some of this because he's still number 17 in MLB Pipeline, and I want, I want you to talk about why that is because you already talked to me about this offline, and it makes a ton of sense, but. Uh, it should be noted that we're recording this on Ronald Acuna's birthday, uh, which Happy I just, birthday, Ron! I just realized that he just he just turned 19 today, which is preposterous. Uh, so you know the top two guys in the system, according to our rankings, are sub 20 years old, which is always nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm I'm high on him. I thought I was high on him, and then I saw the list, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm not high on him anymore. Uh, maybe I maybe he's just good, and everyone and everybody's high on him. So. Uh, I think he's become a darling, and with good reason. I just wanted to get out in front of him and ask you because it's the one guy that's you know sort of the big separation between some other public lists and our lists. But uh, I, w- I do want to I do want you to t- tell people why you think uh, the pipeline list is so low on him because he's still number seventeen there, and that's obviously a big gap. Okay, well let, let, let's talk about differences in lists. Yes, right now. Uh, in listening to uh, li- in listening to people throughout the offseason, I can I feel pretty confident in saying that Keith Law and Eric Longenhagen will both have Ronald Acuna in their top 100 lists whenever they come out, whenever that is. And that you know for for Keith I think that's February. For Eric it's whenever he you know can get things done over at Fangraphs and they have their own schedule for doing things. That in talking in how, in their chats and in how they've been writing, it seems pretty clear that you know the secret's out on Acuna, right? Or Acuna, actually. There's actually a little bit of debate as to whether or not there's the, the how to pronounce his last name. I was going to ask thinking, you that. If I, I, thing. I, I'm, I, I have, I am honestly unsure. I'm going to keep calling him Acuna, but it could very well be Acuna, and in which case, I apologize if I've been mispronouncing it for as long as I have. <laughs> um, I, I really and truly, I, I'm, I am not 100 percent sure on this. Um, so, with Pipeline, it's really frustrating because they really only update their lists. When a move happens, and what the, all they do, they don't like reorder anything. They just take the names out, and then they shift everyone up, and then they just kind of add some names to the end. They only redo their lists 
at midseason and have preseason like we do. But they just keep everything posted. And so when moves happen, and a bunch of moves have happened for the Braves, and they just kind of add guys to the end, they're still basically using the midseason list right now. So Acuna, who was had been injured, and they were probably lower on him than they should have been, but I can understand having him in the teams at midseason this year. He's just sitting there at 17 and not take and none of this other scouting and these other information that has come out has been taken into account at all. Now, whether how they manage that list is an entirely, you know, I think it varies team to team beyond that. But if you see discrepancies right now, it's because a lot of lists haven't been updated. But some people are still it's they're slowly rolling out and I think by January, February we'll kind of have a better sense of what the consensus are consensus is for like the top 100 prospects but that that's the short version is that right now a lot of lists that just stay floating out there on the internet for everyone to look at this have not been updated at all yeah it's, and it's weird for me because like and this is what i brought up i brought up to you offline it was because like the fact that they go in and add the guys who have been acquired makes yes. it feel like it's updated so it, but it's I mean, not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and again, this is not like, I mean, you know, it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. I think it's just misleading for some people that I'm sure uh, that you've heard this and uh, I think the site's heard this on Twitter and see this on Twitter like, oh, well, this has Akuna at 17. It's, well, yeah, but I think it, I think it just gives the, uh, the illusion that it's updated because they've added the new guys. Like if you see Alex Jackson on a list, you're going to assume it's updated because he just got in the system. Um, right. versus you know versus our list obviously our last list before this one did not have Alex Jackson on it because he wasn't in the system when it came out when Tra- when Travis Demerit was acquired by the Braves he helped all they did was keep him in the same sp- this position on the list all they did was change the team logo on that picture that's all they did which is insane and, yeah and and yes it is insane and it's a frustrating thing for us because i get asked why our lists are so different, and I you never want to say because they're not doing their job over there because it's not necessarily <laughs> their job to change it. You know right. what I mean? Like if they want to keep it, if they want to keep their list up, then they're more than welcome to. It's just and, misleading. And, 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 they, not... and they always and they always do it, and they always do change their list and eventually update it. But at the same time, it's frustrating just because ultimately, I feel like I have to answer for someone else not doing things necessarily the way we do. So and it's just honestly, and I said it. I mean, it's just misleading because of the way it's portrayed. But it's not. It's, this is not time to pick on MLB Pipeline. I just want to get it out there so that people. Oh no, love. I no. We I, I, the work they do, like in terms of like you know constant content and things like that. They're that that's yeoman's work. That they do sure. great work. But you know, it's just that particular thing. And you know, rankings themselves. You know, people get hung up on what they see and you know what's on someone's list a little bit too much. I think so. I, I get why they might not necessarily think it's that big a deal, but at the same time, for us, you know, having to answer for silly things isn't always the most fun thing. Yeah, I just want to get out in front of that. All right, we'll get away from that. I was going to ask you a um, couple of guys, you know, one or two that you were either super low on versus everybody else uh, on the panel, or super high on. That um, so in terms of like obviously the, the posted rankings are the ones that are the collaboration of the was is it five of you now or four of you? Five. Uh, five of you now. Um, Whereas, so where were you different versus the list? I guess just uh, individually, not that you want to kill everybody else, but uh, I'm curious as to what the biggest yeah. discrepancies were. Uh, honestly, there weren't there weren't any really big discrepancies. We all had like very similar tiers. It'd be like you know like a group of four or five guys, and we would just have all the same guys just like ranked differently. Um, I'm just taking a look here. 
Uh, we, we all had Albies number one. Um, it, it, full disclosure, you're not. You mean Dansby Swanson is not our number one prospect? Uh, I don't necessarily care that he drew two more walks versus two ground outs. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's, and I was I was pretty upfront with the guys about that. You know, like I just don't see any. I don't see any value in it. Um, you know, and like it's nothing against Dansby at all. It's just we wanted to kind of generate conversation and kind of get a sense of who the actual prospects are and a guy who's going to be your starting shortstop. Uh, I would imagine for the entire season, unless barring an absolute disaster. Um, I just don't see him being a prospect. So no, well, yeah, no, there's no, there's no debate. If he's if he's if he's in the list, he's obviously the number one. It's not even particularly close. Yeah, so. you know, I, you say that, but I actually, I actually do think there would have been a person who would have voted for someone else over. Really? Oh, uh, I do. Uh, I am not. I am not. I'm not going to reveal. You that don't anymore. have to out them. I'm just. That, no, that, that's no. I think. I think there would have been at least one. I think there would have been uh, at least a, a potential for one vote. Okay. I think. Um, but anyway. Um, let me see here. Um, I was one of the highest people in Austin Riley. Uh, I had him inside the top ten. Um, uh, I'm trying to see here. Uh, it is worth noting that Ozzy Albies and Marlon Cooner were our number one and number two, uh, number two prospects. Uh, also receiving top two voting were Max Fried and Sean Newcomb. Sean Newcomb at two is interesting. Yeah, Sean Newcomb at two was interesting. Um, but like I said, it's kind of like you take those top four or five guys, shuffle them up. If you yeah you know what I mean after it's and it's you know and Ozzy Albies was unanimously number one. Um, other than that, I mean like I, I look at the list and I'm not seeing anyone that really stood out as being particularly high or particularly low for me or really anybody. Um, the only person with the notable exception of Braxton Davidson, uh, kind of towards the bottom of the list, who's 24 on the big list. Yeah, and he was tricky because. He basically snuck in on the la- at at the end of the list because like he was on three lists and not on two, uh, and I was one of the two. Uh, I did not have him in my top twenty-five. Uh, I just don't think that his approach is going to translate very well to better pitching when he can't seem to get it together against not so great pitching. Is that a spot where you have him like well outside the top twenty-five? Are you talking about like would he be like twenty-seven for you ish, or is it something where like uh, I like probably, probably have him somewhere in the twenty-six to thirty range? I okay. would think. So not, but like, it, might, not, but not it might that be, far and, but, but but it might be closer to thirty than it would be for like twenty-six, for example. Uh, there was uh, we did have someone who had him uh, in the forties. So Whew, all right, yeah, yeah, but I and I can understand the impulse because. As much as he strikes out and as bad as his approach is, uh, and it hasn't gotten better as he's, you know, I mean, up, gone up. I I can understand the impulse to put him down that far, uh, but he's young enough where I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And three of the other guys did. I mean, and they, they, no one ranked him particularly highly, but he just got enough votes that way to, you know, to get those one of those last spots. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. I was gonna ask you. Uh sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, how much of uh, Mike Soroka being number seven was because you had him so highly, but uh, I, I thought you might have had Soroka number one, given your history, but uh, you already said, you already outed yourself. I was thinking about this uh, before the before we started. <laughs> what if I told you I was, like, in the middle in terms of people who had, among people who had highest or lowest for Soroka? I don't understand how that's possible, Eric. That doesn't uh, make I, sense I, to me. And, and this is, like, uh, and I have a healthy amount of love for Mike Soroka. I think you're fighting, healthy... I think you're fighting back against yourself now, trying to No, be... I'm, well, I mean, I just, I just made my list, and then I looked and I saw everyone else's list, and I just started laughing. Uh, he, uh, he was ranked as highly as fourth, uh, and as low as eight. Eighth. Uh, what, what I was, what I... 
Yeah, oh yeah, no, not at all. Uh, what I was finding with the composite this this time around, one through five was ended up being a pretty clear cuts in terms of the votes. Uh, just kind of where, you know, where the cutoffs were. Six through ten, it was very, very close. Very, very close. Like, you know, like a couple position switches here and there, and the six through ten could have been very easily different. Um, and that's just, it's because it's a matter of preference. There's a lot of young guys there, like, you know, the Kevin Maitans and the Ian Andersons. Uh, and then there's guys like Tuki Toussaint, Mike Soroka, you know, guys like that who can be kind of polarizing, but we all agree belong there somewhere. Uh, and then if you look at on our list, you'll look at we just have very – all those same guys are in that general range, but they're just slightly different places. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. And, again, we want to encourage everybody to go look at the list. I'm not going to try to read off every every spot in case you have not gone and read it. Click on the site and go read it. Uh, so we're, not, <laughs> Absolutely. we're not going to tell you all of them uh, right here and now. One more question from me before we get in the mailbag. Get some questions for you from elder other folks. Um, one thing that I was looking at and kind of thinking about while looking at the list is um, Rio Ruiz is number 22 on the list. Um, you know, I actually kind of agree with you on that, with you guys on that. But at the same time, I think a lot of people would be interested to know how a guy who is projected to at least, uh, to at least by most people, reach Atlanta at some point this season to be, quote-unquote, that low. Um, what, what does that say about Ruiz and sort of, I guess, what does it say about the third base situation that he'd be so close while being that low on a prospect list? Well, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that the third base situation is abysmal. And, uh, but I also don't think that him being, you know, kind of that – lower tier top 25 prospect in their system is necessarily terrible because I mean, this system's really good. Uh, he would be an easy top 10, uh, prospect in a lot of systems not, not just like the wor- absolute worst ones, like the angels or the Marlins. He would be a top 10 prospect in a lot of systems. I just don't see him having a carrying tool and I'm becoming more like as the season progressed, I became more and more concerned about these platoon splits because 2015 for him was just generally awful. I mean, uh, a 657 OPS is just not something you want out of your third base, third baseman period. You know, batting 233, couldn't, didn't hit for power, couldn't hit lefties or righties. At Gwinnett, he did improve primarily against righties. You know, he had a, you know, a healthy 833 OPS against them, ended up having a pretty, and having a pretty good year after a really hot start to the season. But his, I mean, he, he had a 522 OPS against lefties. And that was after only a slightly better OPS his in 2015, a year in which everyone agreed was he was not good at all. I just don't see him as an everyday player, especially against lefties. And then if I look at kind of what he brings to the table, will he hit for some power? Yeah, sure, I guess. I think he can play the position okay, reasonably well. Uh, I don't ever think he's going to hit for a great average. The one thing that he does have going for him is I know he'll draw walks, but he's not a he's not a threat on the bases. He's not fast, um, and he ha- like I said he he'll he's going to be kind of like a if he drives in runs going to be like via like doubles to the gap and things like that. He might hit some home runs, but I don't think that the power he, that he was expected that was expected of him he's really grown into, uh, and it's certainly not playing in games. I don't know. I just it's not it's not that like he's bad. It's just that I just don't see him as an everyday guy or a guy that I'm necessarily excited about. Um, do I think he's going to make the major leagues and then you know provide like you know some value as like kind of a guy you can play against play against righties or a guy that maybe comes in and does some pinch hitting or 
you know, defensive defensive replacements or is kind of a stopgap before maybe more exciting prospects come around. Sure, but as of right now, I'm just I'm higher on other guys at the at the third base position, and I'm just not sure if he's going to be the solution long term. I don't know if he's necessarily that much different than a guy like Adonis Garcia, other than I just don't I definitely don't have the fear of him playing defense like I do with Adonis. Yeah, I'm with you on basically all of that. I just think Ruiz is, uh, you know, he he might be useful, but not exactly a guy who's going to be a uh, profiling as a an above average starter at any point in time. I don't think. But we'll yeah, see. which is fine. Which is fine, by the way. That's yeah. not an easy thing to do. For sure, absolutely. <laughs> like, no question about that. I just want to get it out there because I'm sure you guys have, have already been or will be asked about that by somebody. So I want to get that out there. Uh, all right, let's go to the mailbag here. Get a few of these questions from people that submitted them today. Uh, the first one comes from at w, wc sanders three on Twitter, and he says, "Copy said that seven guys could make their major league debut in 2017." Uh, he asked, "Would you care to guess who the seven might be?" Oh goodness! Yeah, um, it's gonna be tough. Okay, okay, all right, hold on, all right, hold on. I'm gonna try. There's a few all that right. are easy, but the, the, getting the seven is the hard part. All right, Ozzy Albies. That's one. Sean Newcomb. That's two. Dustin Peterson. That's three. Lucas Sims. Ooh, all right, that's four. AJ Mitner. Yeah, that was one I had. That's five. All right, I gotta think for a second. Hold on, I gotta, I'm digging deep a little bit now. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody obvious. You've, you've not said Ruiz yet. Rio Ruiz. He's, he made his major league deba- debut last year, though. Oh, I guess that's true. I, guess, I think I think he's counting Ruiz, but okay, that's okay. Okay, okay fine. We, that's we, fine. We, can count, we can count Rio Ruiz. Uh, I can see Patrick Weigel. Okay. All right, hold on. That was the. That it's kind of that. This is the problem I'm, I'm, for me. Is I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get to, I couldn't get to seven. I, I, yeah, I only got yeah. to six. I'm, I'm looking at relievers. I can see Nikhil Morris uh, making making the jump. Yeah, relievers are always probably the same. Yeah, spot. like like it's like there's there's guys like Corbin Klaus and stuff like and guys like that who were at Rome last year, but they were college guys. Like if you just needed them, they could just call them up. And because I, I, I can get to seven or eight, yeah, I can see seven or eight because of the fact that uh, the Braves actually have you know real major leaguers in the rotation this year, that also cuts down the possibility because you know Nukem you mentioned, but Nukem at least has the upside to where you could talk yourself into it. Uh, you're gonna have to. There's no like fringy arm that's gonna start a game this year unless things go absolutely wild because you're talking about you already have five guys plus Whistler and Blair. I mean, I can I can see I can see it just as likely as if the if the season goes very poorly, if they trade if they trade some guys. Yeah, but if they, if they do that though, like I would think that by that point you're talking about Newcomb, you're talking about some guys that are potentially more interesting than your like your De La Cruz, Perez level guys that have been Casey pl- Kelly type. Yeah, yeah. Right. And those, but, I'm with you. and that's how you get into like maybe Sims, like you mentioned, or I mean beyond that, you know, why you know there's Weigel, there's stuff, there's stuff that could happen there, but I don't know. Yeah. I think he was just kind of speaking off the cuff, and I don't, you know, what I mean, like there Agreed. are guys who you would, there, there are there are guys when you would like if they're saying, okay, who do we call up to fill this spot? These are the names they would talk about. For sure. Um, and it's worth noting. I mean, like a guy like Sims, for example. I mean, he's kind of you know he's not the guy like a, a Sean Newcomb that we think about in those terms of the rotation. But at the same time, if you really want to, if you worry about service time with Newcomb, or you really need him to get reps at AAA. And a guy like Sims, who maybe gets off to a great start to start the year, and he's kind of reaching the point as a prospect where what happens this year will ultimately decide his career path in baseball. 
So if you if he gets off to a hot start this year, Newcomb either maybe he maybe let's say Newcomb is you know starts off kind of cold or still needs some work or they don't necessarily want to you know bring him up too early so that they can get that extra year of service time in. Why wouldn't you call up a Lucas Sims if you know one of the guys gets you know dinged up or has to miss a little bit of time? It's a little it's a little bit different now because I mean the with a ten day DL versus a fifteen day DL too because you're True. not having to lock in a guy to miss two starts, so I don't know it's it's a little different, but ultimately I think I could see those guys seeing time at some point. Uh, whether or not all those guys get called up, if that happens, I think that the Braves might have some issues long term. But yeah, your point your point earlier though about the fact that like it really does matter a great deal as to what happens on the field in the first few months because. If this team is, you know, ten games under in uh, in in like, you know, mid June, you're gonna see guys like Dickey and Cologne on the trade market or Garcia even like, you know, and you could have some extra spots and it's, it could be it could get kind of interesting uh, in the middle of the season as well. So that could be a throwing a wrench in some things. Um, Next question comes from at mdubs8, and he wants to know if Eric can go over who he thinks has the best individual tools in the system, similar to the guy from Baseball America last week. Uh, just for just so you know, Eric, Carlos and I went over that. I'm sure uh, you've seen that as well from from BA that came, went through a bunch of their guys. You don't have to obviously go through all of them here, but uh, just a couple you know that I think would be interesting for people to know, like who you think has the best hit tool, best power, uh, you know, some pitching, I guess pitching stuff, best fastball. Uh, control that kind of stuff. Whatever you, whatever you want to pick, uh, whichever areas. I don't, I don't want you to go through like thirty of them because you probably could. <laughs> I got you. But uh, you. yeah, fire away. Um, let's see. Uh, hit tools, Ozzy Albies. I don't think that one's particularly close. Um, power. Uh, I'm still a big believer in Austin Riley's power. I, I think that his second half, where you know he puts up you know seventeen home runs or whatever it was. He can he can really crank the ball once he, he gets his timing down and I think he made a he, he turned a pretty big corner last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumped up on a bunch of lists. That's also that's also one spot in the system that doesn't really it's, that's not loaded. Like even even the guys who are on the higher end that we like, they're not like these massive power guys, right? I mean, uh, I, I yeah, I mean uh, Acuna is being billed as maybe a fifteen to twenty home run a year guy, which is certainly fine, um, but he's not like you know a power is not like his calling card for sure. Um, guys like Travis Demerit and um, Ronald Acuna, uh, Kevin Maton is going to be a guy who maybe this time next year we're going to be having this conversation about his power tool. But right for right now, I'm going to pump the brakes a bit on you know having a 16 year old having the best power tool in the system, uh, especially since we haven't seen him against professional fit pitchers. But um, outfield defense, honestly, it is Ray Patrick Ditter. Uh, he can really play out there. Uh, he he filled in for Ronald Acuna in center field, but before that he was in right field. He has a really good arm, and he can he can really get after the ball out there. Uh, Ronald Acuna and Connor Lean are both guys that are in the outfield that would be um, really good for just that tool specifically. Um, just I'm gonna I'm gonna skip fastball because there's a lot of things that you can think about whether in terms of velocity or versus movement and things like that. But I did notice that Max Fried's curveball was was ranked ahead of Tuki Tucson's curveball. Uh, as the best curveball in the system, and with all due respect to both Max Freed, who I think has a great curveball, and Baseball America, no, thank you. No, Tuki Toussaint's curveball is the best one in the system. <laughs> uh, now, now there's an argument as to you know, like Freed can throw his or strikes more. I, I, I respect that, but at the same time, 
no one can bend a curve like Kuki can. And uh, and the best control system, it's not close. It's my Soroka, my hero. Your guy. Uh, yeah, that's my dude. That's my buddy. Uh, but he's um, yeah, he's 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 got the best command and control system. Oh, one more that I want to ask you: who who would you have for infield defense? Who would I have for infield defense? Honestly, yes, honestly, fire away, come on, hot take. Tra- Travis Demerit. I've heard some things. We talked about this on the podcast a little bit. I, and, I mean, yeah, and I, and some of that is the things I've heard too. Because I mean, I've only had like you know so much time seeing him, right. but he really has he has a lot of range out there at second. Uh, but Ozzy Albies and and Dansby Swanson are both right there. They're right there. All right. Um, they're they're um, the, but but Demerit is a very he's like he's a a big time athlete, and you see it him playing the position. Uh, the only thing that's missing from him is that he just I don't think he has the arm for short, and that's one of the reasons why he's not there now. Which is um, but, fine, by the way. He doesn't need to play shortstop here in the system, at least. He has no reason no, to play shortstop. No, so. he can play. He can. He can play second. Uh, I've heard thought of sliding over him to third. I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but um, I mean, honestly, he 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 can he can play second. So I'm in terms of just like ceiling in terms of in, uh, of infield defense. I'm I'm gonna give the edge to Travis, but Dansby and Ozzy are both very 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 good. That's a seal of approval from Eric on all those guys. So uh, congratulations to them for the awards that you've just been given. By Eric. Um, yep. All right, last one before I, before I uh, let you get out of here, man. Uh, comes from William on Twitter. He asks, uh, are you confident in Atlanta's ability to develop their high ceiling prospects, and how does Atlanta compare with the other organizations around the league in terms of prospect development? This is like sort of a deep meta question, but I'm going to fire it to you anyway. I mean, I don't think they're any better or worse than any team out there right now. Uh, you have to look at – no one's going to hit on everybody. And I, I know that there's like some doubts about their player development, especially at like the like that AAA level, because guys like Aaron Blair and Matt Whistler haven't really panned out the way they want them to. But we're not talking about guys that they've been developing since they were 18 years old. I mean, these are guys that they got in trades from other organizations, you know, in the last year. Uh, I don't see any problem with what they're doing. I think that ultimately, that just the failure rate for prospects in the major leagues in general is very high. And we have high expectations of our prospects because ultimately the Braves as an organization have placed a big bet on their farm system. And I think it's hard for fans to wrap their heads around the idea that ultimately patience is going to have to be a virtue because we're going to see a lot more guys fail than succeed. And that's just the reality. But, I mean, they, they, developed, they developed Freddie Freeman. They brought up Jason Hayward, who's one of the best – I mean, you know, whether or not you – how you feel about him now is irrelevant – when he was coming up, he was the, one of, if not the best prospects in baseball. And then when you see guys like Julio Tehran, who's you know turned into a, a really strong pitcher, uh, he may not be the ace that everyone was kind of hoping he would be, but you know he's still a guy that you know the true races. There's what ten of those in the big leagues probably. He's a still strong. He's still a strong number two. They're yeah, I mean, he's one of the thirty. He's probably one of the top thirty pitchers in baseball, which you know yeah. makes your quarter. You don't have one. you don't have any problems with him being the best pitcher on your staff. He's right. there's not there's not a problem with that. And then you see how pundits and you know teams and really just everyone around there how they viewed their 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 drafts in the last couple of years, how they viewed their international signings in the last couple of years, how these guys are performing in the minors, and if you just watch them, they're passing the eye test of these are the things that these guys need to be at each level. Ultimately, the Braves I feel like are doing what they're supposed to do. But there's only so much you can do 
with a guy until you throw him against the best of the best. There's a big difference between a guy who hits at AAA and a guy who hits at the major league level. A guy who has Joey Votto's stats in AAA versus Joey Votto, those are very, very different things. And ultimately, it's going to be up to them. And making that step, sometimes guys get it. And for whatever reason, they're even better than they were in the minors in the major leagues because they, there's a mental part of their game that kind of translate better, translates better or they figure out something mechanically or they figure out something in terms of recognizing pitches or about their swing. Or the opposite happens and the other side figures out something about their approach or how they, you know, how they are selecting pitches and they take advantage of it. And, it's very, and it's, there's not much room for error. At the major league level, if you're off by a half an inch, that's often the difference between a ground out and a ball going 420 feet straight away center. And that's just the reality of it. And I don't think the Braves are doing anything better or worse, but there's so much more at stake that ultimately every time a guy doesn't work out or a guy has some trouble, it's put under a microscope as, well, see, this guy was supposed to be the number two or number three starter for the next five years. And one... Not most of these guys aren't supposed to be finished products yet. And two, even if these like a guy like a Matt Whistler or an Aaron Blair or you know before he was traded Rob Whalen or guys like that, if those guys hadn't made it, that's kind of indicative of the attrition rate of prospects. It's kind of the tragic part of it. I'm I'm looking at a list of 25, 30 guys right now that we were talking about, and I know with absolute certainty that. Half of these guys will not have successful major league careers, and that's sad. It, it just is. No organization can get everyone right. And even these guys are playing – these guys are all playing very well, but some of them are going to get hurt. Some of them are just not going to be able to get past a certain point in their minor league careers. Some of them, they'll get to the major leagues, and they'll just not be good enough. And that's okay. But I don't want there to be – I don't want there to be – a judgment on the organization or the player development side where there shouldn't be one because ultimately it's up to these guys to succeed. And I don't see anything in the players they're picking or in what they're doing with these pick with these players as of now, this could change, I suppose that is any different than it needs to be. And where, what they have done, especially with their high ceiling guys is to back them up with even more high ceiling guys just to kind of hedge their bets the best they can because ultimately you're placing bets some organizations they place bets in money this guy is supposed to, this guy was really good last year I'll pay him 30 million dollars this year let's hope he can get us to the world series the Braves have done that differently they're not investing money they're investing time and how that investment pays off unfortunately it's not a loss in millions of dollars instead we won't know the results until two or three years from now. But based on how many bets they've placed, one would think that they would at least hit on a few of them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it is, this has been an interesting exercise the last year or so, and it will continue to be one for the next couple of years, I would imagine, uh, for people that are kind of, I don't know. I think a lot of people are just expecting, as you've been saying throughout this, you know, half these guys to be suddenly great or even more than that. And that's just not how this works. And it's kind of the reality of it that a lot of these guys are going to flame out. We've been trying to say that on this podcast and on the site throughout. It's just, you know, the success rate is just what it is. 
Um, and but so I, I always try to tell people not to fall in love with specific guys necessarily. Uh, you you, you kind of can't help it. Obviously, we, we make fun of your of your love affair with Mike Soroka, but I think you know that like you know this stuff happens. So you know, if Soroka flamed out, it would not be the biggest shock in the history of shocks. It's just what happens uh, in terms it, of baseball players. What has been interesting this year is like the fandom of the major league level has really bled into the minor leagues. Uh, and all you have to do is just look, watch social media. When MLB Pipeline or anybody either slightly disparages the farm system or ranks anyone above them or even talks about another guy when one of the, when one of the Braves or guys is arguably better. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've really seen anything like it where this was like a, these people were bombarded by Braves fans were like, why aren't you talking about this guy? Or, you know, you, you couldn't be more wrong. Um, and it's, I think it's part of it. It's just, you know, because of the state of the rebuild, you know, fans are wanting to latch on to something. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really easy to latch on to the farm system because it looks on paper and looks on paper really, really good. And then when you watch these guys, they're exciting. Uh, but at the same time, I do worry that in some cases, a lot of people are going to be disappointed because either their guy won't work out and that will, you know, that won't be fun or, People don't have a realistic expectation of what minor league baseball is, and it really is—it's a grinder. It, it, you know, only the strong survive, and it's not very many. For sure, uh, I want to get that out there. So uh, that's going to kind of do it for today, man. But uh, please uh, plug anything you would like to. Obviously, the top twenty-five list has been the biggest thing, but uh, tell people where, the, where they can find your stuff. Shout out your guys for all your, for all their help as well, and all that all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, first, I want to give shout-outs to Garrett Spain, Garav Vidak, Matt Powers, Jeff Jones. Those guys worked really, really hard on all these prospect lists. Um, and I didn't I, – the, the best thing about these guys is I never have to beg for anything. When I say it's prospect list time, I have everyone's attention. I, and I say, okay, let's get your lists in. And I had everyone's list in within 36 hours. I just did a composite list. We did made our adjustments, and then okay, I said, okay, guys, sign up for whoever you want to to write about. Everyone signed up. A little bit of switching happened to make sure that like you know one person didn't have a bunch on one day, and you know to make sure you know things were spaced out well. And then I just I said, okay, these are the five we need today, and they would just, I would just have them. I don't have. There's not a better staff for minor league for for minor league baseball specifically for Braves, but I would put them against just about anyone anywhere, and. These, those four guys make what we've been doing possible, and I can't thank them enough. Uh, there's going to be more coming out from these guys. I think Matt's going to be actually working on, uh, working on an article, kind of analyzing our list, and you know the, the specifically what we were work, talking about earlier, where you know the highs and lows of each player and why that variation happened, maybe why a guy voted for put him at eight, whereas another one put him at four. I know Matt's, I think, working on something about that. I think we have some work coming out about A.J. Mintner uh, coming out soon as well. Uh, beyond that, it's just kind of bracing ourselves for you know, more prospect lists coming out. And then ultimately, spring training is not really super, super far away. Uh, and from that, we'll have you know extended spring training and all that jazz. And then before long, it's just going to be the regular season. And all, all along the way, there's going to be lots of minor league work, lots of you know analytical work, lots of you know, hoping and praying that things work out before then for all of us and that we're going to be doing a lot of work trying to figure out what this team's going to look like next year. And, you know, just come to TalkingChop.com and you'll be able to find that there. 
For sure, and uh, from from my end, a shout out to all, all of you guys, including yourself, for coordinating all that, man. It's been great. Uh, again, everybody check that out. Top 25 prospect lists. Uh, come yell at us if you disagree. That's fine, too. That's kind of what, oh, absolutely. That's what the internet's I, about. So Rain your hate down upon us. <laughs> all right. We'll take it. Eric's, Eric's, uh, Eric's a big, strong individual. It'll be, it'll be just fine. Uh, thanks for doing this, man. We'll have to do it again uh, shortly, as uh, you are a frequent guest, as we all know. So uh, thanks for doing this, brother. Oh, absolutely, man. I always enjoy myself. All right, everybody else, uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. Uh, follow us, follow the show, follow uh, us on t- at, uh, Talking Chop, at Talking Chop on Twitter, uh, Talking Chop on Facebook, TalkingChop.com. Uh, I'm at BT Roland. Eric is at Leprechaun. Uh, you know, follow us, do, do all, those, all those good things. And uh, as always, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.